Welcome to the No Risk Sports Performance Podcast, where we discuss all things sports performance, from training to nutrition and recovery to individual and team victories on and off the field. I'm your host, Judah Boulay, owner of No Risk Sports Performance in Lincoln, Rhode Island. I'm ready to roll, so let's do this. Welcome, guys. I'm pretty excited about today's guest. Um, it has been a 11-year um, journey for this gentleman since I last really connected with him. He was a student at Zaveri Umbrellas High School where I was a teacher at. Uh, he was a sophomore my first year there, and now he's married, he has a kid, and he's a full-time strength coach at Endicott College up in Boston. And um, so he's making me feel old today a little bit. But um, Jack Dustin here um, was a football player. He went to uh, Assumption on um, for football. Um, and then after he left Assumption, he um, trained at um, some local strength and conditioning facilities before going to Coastal Carolina. And now he, from Coastal Carolina, he ended up at Endicott as a full-time strength coach. So I'm going to let him go a little bit more into his history. So Jack, welcome. Uh, thanks for being here. And um, yeah, let's uh, just fill in all the pieces that I didn't fill into the audience and tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Thanks. Yeah, perfect. Well, first off, thanks for having me. It's definitely a pleasure. And uh, you are a huge influence in why I got into this business realistically. Um, as were a lot of people at Severian, it was definitely a school where training was super important, not just to, you know, your necessarily your coaches, but a lot of the other coaches as well, which was just very cool to see. Um, so like, like Coach Boulay said, my name is Jack Dustin. Uh, I currently work at Endicott, but when I graduated college, I went to Assumption College and it was for a business degree. Uh, it was in business management. So for me, it was, it was hard, to, hard to originally see where I wanted to go with it. I knew I wanted to coach. I didn't know if I wanted to coach football, if I wanted to coach strength and conditioning. I, I just knew I wanted to do some form of coaching to give back. Um, to, to what the people had gave my mentors had given me. Uh, so I went from, you know, that assumption football, football life into, you know, the compete strength. I worked at compete strength and conditioning under Joe. It's in, um, now it's in Walt, uh, Norwood now. Um, when I originally started, it was in Canton, but so for me, it was, that was kind of my, uh, like awakening. I, I really started to realize I loved, loved the strength and conditioning aspect of it. I loved the sports performance aspect of it. Uh, and then I got this opportunity to go intern down at Coastal Carolina. It was gonna be a dual role with football and uh, strength and conditioning. For me, that was kind of huge because I knew I wanted, I, I thought at the time, big name uh, and pretty cool that, you know, as your philosophy grows, uh, you know, you can keep pieces that, that started in the beginning. So when I was down at Coastal, I was doing the football slash slash strength. So I didn't really have that full understanding of where I was at yet. I just knew I was really enjoying my job uh, and enjoying what I was doing. I was working with a bunch of young men and we were getting better as a group. And it was it was pretty cool to be a part of that. And then from there, I got he he kind of said, hey, there's a D line spot and, you know, you're doing defense line down there. We'd like you to come back here. And it seemed like a no at the time. Uh, I knew I was enjoying what I was at Coastal. So for me to jump to my alma mater was pretty huge. Um, and that's kind of where I started to, the realization kind of hit me. 
Um, I wasn't doing as much with the strength and conditioning. I'd help on like testing day and I'd help fill the nutrition center pretty much. Um, so for me, that was kind of like when I started to realize it wasn't the football that I loved. Um, I loved the sport of football because of I was like decent at it. So it was easy for me to be like, yeah, this is, this is cool and it's fun. But the idea that I loved was the sports performance, the, the year long training uh, is what I, it's what I remember. Even I remember the Hills I ran. I remember and game wise, I don't remember all of them. I don't remember the scores of every game. Um, I know the ones where we got our asses kicked, but, and, or we had a huge victory, but for, for me, it was the, the performance aspect of it, the lifting, the running, uh, the good times you have with the guys over the summer when you're living at college. So I had to make a decision pretty much. And then luckily I got super lucky and Endicott had a position where they had a defensive line position slash uh, strength and conditioning position. And I was like, I know it's not fully what I want, but maybe it's a start uh, to get my head in the door and have a, have a position that's not labeled intern, uh, which was good for me. It was, it was a time I could grow a time where I could do kind of see if my systems worked and, and kind of go from there. Um, and then that role happened to grow into the first time head strength and conditioning role, which obviously now I, I love what I'm doing. Um, and it's been a, a huge, a, just a huge blessing realistically to be where I'm at. That's awesome. I remember one of the things I remember about you was you were one of the, you were a training room rat. So you lived in the training room um, year round. So it didn't matter what type of season you always got your lifting in. Um, and your training mentality, I think helped progress you as an athlete um, at Zavarian, um, which, you know, is, is very important, is, is important. And I don't think a lot of kids understand the, um, the necessity of having a training mindset to be good at sport. They have a playing mindset, but they don't have that training mindset. So they sell themselves short. Um, are you see, do you see that with the college athletes that you, you know, that you're training now that are coming in as freshmen? Yeah. I mean, I, like I always tell the athletes, like when they ask, like the first thing they usually ask is, were you good at football? Were you sick? Like, and I was always like, no, like it wasn't football that I was good at. I was like, I was good at training. Like that's what I grew to love. And I think it was just instilled at me at Severian. Like, like I said, like we had a bunch of teachers and for, like that just pushed like, Hey, you guys got to go train. You guys got to go do this. And it's, I think that's important. Like understanding like progressions, whether it's, you know, in the classroom or in the weight room, like that's what I grew to. Like, it's like, Hey, like you're not just going to be good at something. Like you have to get good at something. And it's, it's all those training hours. So the freshman we tend to get some of them are, you know, brilliant in the weight room and some of them are like amazing. Others are a little bit behind. And that's where I think my job's exciting. I like the kid who's already made is, you know, it's, it's easy to train him and it's fun. You can do a little bit more like some of the extra stuff. Um, the guys that aren't as well trained, well, this is where brilliance and the basics really, really comes to play. And it's like, Hey, like, don't get too excited. Like start small and, continue to grow. And when you see that progression, I think that's where, you know, the light switch goes on again. Like you're like, Oh wow. Like that kid just, I don't know, like pick bench press, for instance, like it's not a super important lift. Right. But like if a kid hits two plates all of a sudden and you see his eyes light up, like that's a good day. Or if, Hey, like they're clean, they finally got the form to, you know, the word decent 
that's a nice day. Like you see like them getting excited over stuff like that's pretty awesome. And it's pretty significant. Um, so for the, the athletes that we're getting, like we have a, a pretty mixed bag of, of kids who either, you know, are good or aren't as good. It's kind of my job to hopefully get them a little excited either way. Um, about the, the, the wins, I guess, is how it was, how I always describe it. Like you, you have victories along the way and either victories are a learning lesson, right? The weight always wins as coach Ferrari used to say. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I view it. Um, I think kids sometimes get a bad rep nowadays, the, the youth, um, just because I don't know, it's, they're deemed a little different, I guess. I think it's more of how they learn. They want everything in quick snippets. Um, so like one of the things I always try and do is I always try and minimize like what I'm saying to them, like using as few keywords as possible, uh, and just trying to get them to focus in on like that. Hey, the one thing that we're trying to win at today, like, this is our goal. Let's win at this. Uh, and then we'll build off of it. That's a pretty interesting philosophy. I, I like that. Um, so when you, when you set up your, um, so do you have any, what's like your training philosophy? So, um, without having like the formal background and strength and conditioning, which might actually be an advantage, um, because it allows you to have an open mind to training. Um, and you've gone through various different internships and exposures from personal exposures to the different schools that you um, did strength work at. Uh, what's your training philosophy or how did, how did you progress or develop your, your style of training for the athletes that you deal with? Yes. I mean, it's a great question. I think I like, I don't love, like for me, it's my philosophy in general, my, my lifelong philosophy is to be a lifelong learner. So, you know, digging into books and I think it's, you know, knowing like understanding and mastering the old principles, but learning the new skills is super important. Um, and it's something I think that can be a lost art. Uh, so for me, that's, that's kind of my philosophy. And then it's using like, just understanding that like brilliance in the basics is what wins all this fancy stuff we see on Instagram. There's a time and a place I don't know. They like those people get bashed consistently, but that's 1% of a program. Mm -hmm. Like if you saw a beach workout from, you know, one of our Instagram posts, that's legit. There's nothing to do with the training adaptations that has everything to do with like a psychological release for the kids, uh, to go have fun, be by a beach and run in the sand. Um, my, like I, I tend to stay to the, the basics. Um, for me, it's, it's important to get some form of, you know, squat, some form of hinge, some form of, you know, uh, upper body push, upper body pull, and then some form of a carry, uh, and sprint. So like, it's super basic and the squat pattern itself, I don't care if the kid's holding a dumbbell. I don't care if it's a bar in his back, we're going to find a way to progress it, um, to a point where they become, you know, they're better at those movements uh, and hopefully a trans and we can make that transfer to the field. So sprinting is a big piece of what we do. Squatting is a big piece of what we do and we're going to merge those and hopefully marry them in the right way. What percentage of the time uh, for your athletes that when you work with them, do you work on weights versus like movement principles? Um, in terms yeah, that's of, like, fair. when you break up your like when you break up your training for like you know for what for for you know I don't know I know it probably varies from sport to sport, but like on average, so for an average team, um, 
how do you break how do you break it up between movement training versus like weight training yeah and i think that that's obviously a fair question and we try and be as similar with all of our athletes as possible um as far as like what you know services they're getting um because at the end of the day it is we're we're selling a service and it's you know it's to a college kid who's already here but they have to have buy-in um and movement's a huge piece of what we do we can do a better job this past year was more difficult uh with the covid we were only able to get uh 30 minutes per session um and two to three times a week because we had 830 athletes and we had to get 10 in at a time um we weren't allowed more than 10 so for us it was well how do we break this up well a lot of this is going to be weight room um but our warm-up is a movement prep like we end up you know doing uh plyos sprints um and then we also apply those intra workout as well. We're not just doing the major barbell movements. Um, that's never been a major part of what we do. Um, I would say it's the major movements are right around 20%. And then everything else is kind of movement prep um, from the way we, you know, do mobility to plyometric sides of things to the, the jumping, the sprinting. We have a hill right outside our weight room that we consistently use for hill sprints. Um, sure, the athletes the, love that. Yeah, it's a sick setup right before they go. Hey, we got a couple hill sprints today. Um, and like I said, it, it's right now it's more due to like the formatting of it's more due to, Hey, like, how do we have to work around this COVID stuff? Whereas in years past, we've been able to use, utilize the fields midday, um, and get out, get out onto their surface, whatever it may be, the field, the court, um, we're working towards, we have a rink on campus, so we'll be doing some ice stuff with the guys and, and the girls. So that'll be, that'll be fun as well. Cool. So, um, you know, I got, you know, we have mentioned it briefly, have athletes of all different, um, abilities, um, coming in, um, at the freshman year. Is there anything, any area that you're consistently seeing that like, where like they lack preparation in, or is, does it, is it still a mixed bag? Um, yeah, I think, I think it's the information they're getting that is like the biggest, like, uh, the biggest mixed bag of that we're getting. We have a few athletes that are like phenomenal from day one. There's a good group that are okay. Um, I think that group probably is the group that probably played more sports than did, um, and actually had like a sports performance coach. And then there's a, a pretty big drop off at the end where there's a substantial amount of kids that like you're surprised how good they are on the field from how poorly they move when you ask them to do something. Um, we have, you know, athletes that run, you know, sub fives pretty easily who have horrible form that could probably run, you know, closer to a four or five. Like it's, it's all, you know, there's, there's varying levels, obviously, but we have, like I said, some are phenomenal movers and then some are not so good. Um, but they're, it's the work ethic at the end of the day, that's going to get them to where they need to be, which is pretty cool to see. Cool. Um, so now for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot older than you. Um, and it's always like looking back at like, you know, like the older generation always, looks down and frowns upon the, the younger generations, you know? Um, so, and I just think it's like, it happened when I was a kid, I used to hear it. And I, I guess I've 
you know, turned into that mindset almost sometimes in some regards. Um, but things have changed obviously and, and athletics, um, since even you were in high school. So, um, how would you compare athletes now back to when like you were a senior in high school and training or versus when, when you were in college and training? Um, is, uh, is there no, is there any, is there any differences between the two groups or, or how do you, how, what's your experience with that? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's obviously a good question. Fully loaded. Um, I try not to, like you said, like, I think it's very easy to be like, Oh, well, our generation was tougher, you know, and I think there is some serious validity to that. I think there are some generations like, you know, I would never say my, like I was tougher than my grandfather. I would never say I was tougher than my own father. Um, but I also think it's maybe not like the toughness level. It's, it might be the information. Um, these athletes have so much information and it's at the click of their hands and they expect the information so fast. And they also expect to excel so fast. Um, and I think it's just because everything that they have in their hands is so, so quick. It's that, you know, instant gratification. And I don't think that's a, it's with sports performance. That's not realistic. Like, uh, let's put it this way. I, and excuse my language, but I sucked at football when I first started. Like when you said training helped me get better at sports, that is a fact. Uh, I was, a, I was better at training than I was sports. I ended up playing and starting for four years at college. I started for two years at Severian. Uh, I was a captain of the team at, at, in college, like, but it was all due to the fact that, you know, the training progressions. Um, and I think athletes, I think that's where a lot of them are struggling is they expect that, that fastness. I don't think it's necessarily that they're, they're not tough enough to, you know, push through. I think it's, Oh, I failed. And like, they're like, well, what's the next step? And they get like down on themselves instead of being like, okay, I messed up. I screwed up. Like what's next? Like, how do I, how do I push through? Um, and I think that's the biggest difference that I've been seeing is they want it. So like they just want it so fast and it's just not, it's not feasible to go from X, you know, an X on a squat to up here on a squat. Like it right. takes time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you're gonna, you know, every day is not going to be a PR. Uh, you know, and, and I think that's one of the downfalls of social media, because when they look at social media, most of the time, I think 90% of the time, even higher percentage, you're seeing all the successes for athletes and you're not seeing the failed attempts or, or the failures. And, um, I think the failures make you stronger and you learn, you know, a failed rep, you learn much more, um, from that than you do a, you know, sometimes a successful, a successful lift. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, it, that's, that's one of the things that instant gratification and, you know, changing movement just doesn't happen overnight. It's reps and reps and reps and reps, and it's just building that, those habits. Um, so was there anything which, so how long, so you've been at Endicott as a full-time strength coach for how long now? It's uh, this will be my second full year second as like the head, as the head strength coach. Um, so yeah, it's been been a journey. It's been good. Right. So when you first started in the weight room, you know, this can go back to like back at coastal Carolina. Um, what's, what surprised you? What was like your biggest surprise of when you started working with college athletes 
Like you, what was like one of those things where like you walked to the door, something happened. You're like, huh, I wasn't expecting that, you know? Um, and you, it was like a, it was a learning experience for you. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely been a ton of learning experiences and a ton of uh, surprises along the way. I think, you know, for me, when I first started in the college sector, one, I didn't realize how hard our coaches worked, um, how much time and effort was put into the preparation behind the scenes. Um, I think as an athlete, you kind of see what you're doing um, and not seeing what everyone else is doing. And you're like, oh, we're the hardest workers on campus. We're doing the most. But then you see, hey, the coaches are putting this much preparation in. And then you're like, okay, well, the ADs are putting this much preparation in. And it's like, you're like, okay, like this is different. Like there's there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that, that doesn't um, – doesn't get shown a lot. Um, and there's obviously, I, I, I appreciate every single one of my coaches and love them to death. And it's like, but like, it's like, they never showed Like they never once showed it. They didn't look tired. They didn't, they didn't say they were tired. And I think it's one of those things that you just, you don't realize it until you you're either a part of it or until after when you, you have somebody that's enduring it themselves um, at all levels. It's it, like, that doesn't, actually at the lower levels, it's probably even more because more is expected. You know, I've seen high school coaches, football coaches working now like hours on end, same with rugby's and uh, all the other, all the other sports. It's, it's amazing. Like what goes into it um, and how much they care, I guess. Cause like you're talking like late hours, like you might get a text from a kid saying, Hey coach, like I messed up. I need help. Like, and it's like, okay, like we'll figure this out. Like, go to bed real quick, right? And then morning, we'll talk about it. Or if it's something that needs to be taken care of right away, take care of it right away. And it's, it's a sacrifice, but it's that, it's like that service world, right? You're part of the service industry and there's a, there's a good amount of heart that goes into it. Um, so do you find that a lot of athletes just be, you know, cause it's funny the dynamic which um, develops in the training room, and that's you know like the the guys who love to train. There's that camaraderie in the training room, and there's that relationship building with like the coaches that like like to train too because of that that common um, the commonality or the common interest. Um, so, do you find yourself like being like the ones that um, you get told all like you're you, they all the stuff that they don't want to tell their coach or talk about to their coach about, um, they come to you for that or. Yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of information that I probably shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's, they respect you so much. Cause so the way D three works, um, and the way I've, I've started to realize like the information I'm going to get is going to come more and more. I'm around these athletes way more than the coaches are. They're not allowed around them in the off season, really. Um, they have a sh short few weeks where they get maybe like a spring ball or a fall ball, depending on their season. But other than that, they're really not allowed to be around these kids. Whereas I am. Um, so there's a barrier of trust that's kind of built up. And a lot of times it's not even them, you know, saying like, it's not bad stuff. It's just them telling me something that they may have, in my opinion, should have told the head coach first. Uh, but a lot of times they're just looking for advice. And it's, it goes back to the fact that these kids are 18 to 22. Uh, and no matter, like I'm almost 30 and like, I still call myself a kid sometimes. Uh, I still sit at the kids table on Thanksgiving, which is a good <laughs> thing. That's a blessing. That means no one's, no one's moving on from the adult table, but it's like one of those things, like it's, they're just looking for advice and 
they look up to you. And at first I originally, I thought it was cause I was young, but then I realized I'm not young. I'm almost 30. So they're telling me for a reason, like they just, they want some, a piece of advice or they want to vent and right. I'm okay with both of those. I think, I think it's healthy. It leads to, you know, healthier relationship with the head coaches um, because these kids feel safe uh, and safety is a key to, you know, survival. If you don't have that safety zone or that safety net, like nothing's going to go well in your life. You're going to feel very erratic, um, which is pretty cool to be a part of something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the relationships like, and because you know, I, I've coached, I, I you know, like sport, and it's the same feeling. I'm the old geezer now, even older. But like when I was coaching, you know, at the high school, like you just develop different a different um, rapport with players um, in terms of like things that they don't want to talk to their parents about, or things they don't want to talk to, um, you know, uh, uh, another teacher or, or you know another. Um, you know, um, elder, you know, so it's, it's a, a different dynamic that I think coaches of all, um, ability of all aspects have, um, with their, their student athletes. Um, I'm going to throw you on the spot here. Um, so going to have you like pick one, um, if you of all the, the sports that you know out there, if you had to pick one, which it was n- like the, if the one sport that it's imperative that they don't skip training outside of their training their sport because we all we both know that like all sports need this right yeah um and i'm you know if you had to pick one right which you're like you can't miss a training day because of the sport you play what sport would that be i'm I'm trying to see how biased you are too so yeah it's actually a really good question so right now for me it would be basketball. Um, the reason I say that is that's the team that I think usually needs to learn probably the most, uh, cause it's a sport that's in high school, a lot of times played, but there's not a lot of, it seems in my experience so far, not a lot of, uh, background of training. Um, so I would say that's probably the group that, needs to train because i think the other groups tend to have that background and at least have a knowledge base where they want to go train um i think basketball is a very unique sport where you can play it at all times so it becomes very easy to train sport versus train for performance um which i have found very interesting because you can be a sick basketball player and uh, i forget who said it but one of them was like i don't need to you know bench 185 to hit a three um, and it's fact, you don't like no way, no, no, how, but you can still get better through lifting. And I think, you know, guys like LeBron, they show that, uh, very simply, like his career has lasted longer because he probably trains and he's obviously pedigree, like the, probably the best that at least that I've seen. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the sport I would say. Cool. Interesting. Now, um, injury prevention. All right. So, um, female athletes, as we both know, as we know, uh, have a higher propensity for knee injuries, um, based upon genetics and based upon, um, their physical development. Um, and how, what, what, what's your protocol to try to like bulletproof the knees 
um, of your female athletes that you work with? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, and I think it's, once again, super fair. I think for us, we obviously understand that with our female athletes, but we also, with our male athletes, we want to bulletproof those knees as well. So a lot of our training is very similar with our females as it is our males. Um, we do believe in training heavy. We think that helps, right? Like building stronger muscles and structures around the knee is awesome. Um, so that's a big piece of it. We're not like going to scare away from that heavy training. Uh, if anything, we might train heavier with the females longer just due to the fact that they can do it and recover faster from it. Um, but for us, it's a lot of deceleration work, whether it's in the start of the warm up or, you know, doing isometrics mid mid workout, we'll find ways to, to bulletproof those things. Um, for us, it's, it comes down to the, like I said, the deceleration work in the beginning, uh, and then building our way up to, depending on what we're doing that day, um, making sure that the full range of motion is there, uh, as well as, you know, everything from, uh, RDLs to, to posterior chain type work. Um, and making sure those mechanics are right, but also done at a, at a higher level than, than, you know, the others. Cool. Yeah. Um, big, you know, I, I love, um, I love working with high school or like before high school female athletes, because I think the job of a sports performance coach in that young age, um, you can have so much impact on them just in terms of making them less prone for injury and strengthening up like the muscles of the glutes and the posterior, um, as well as show giving them the movement training. So that way, like they're, they're, you know, the, the, everything tracks the right way from the ankle to the knee to the hip, um, yeah. when they, when they plant. Um, all right. So this has been awesome. Um, I know you, you're a busy man. Um, you know, we have a, a youngster at home and, and a wife and I don't want to take up too much of your time. So um, we're going to um, finish with the, my last questions, which I ask of everyone. Um, so first and foremost, um, if you had to recommend only one book, which would it be and why? I know you've mentioned that you, you've done a lot of your um, learning from reading books. Um, so if you had one book choice, which you had to recommend, um, what would it be? So for me, uh, outside of strength and conditioning or inside of strength and conditioning? It can be a one, a one, one book. All right. So for me, uh, the book I love probably, probably the most is it's called lead your tribe and love your work. Um, it's about, it's, it's a good mix of everything. It's, it's on managerial skills. Uh, so for me, that, that book was kind of a good way to be grateful every day. Um, because that's, that's kind of what the books books attitudes toward. It's if you're, you know, if you're actually grateful for all the hard work that's being done around you, then you'll realize how hard everyone in your, in your community is working. Um, I am the head strength coach, but I have a ton of, uh, so I've got three other strength coaches underneath me and the work they put in is unreal. Uh, and I'm super grateful for everything that they do on a day-to-day -day basis because they have, other, you know, jobs, families uh, uh, that are a part of this. And I think that's, that's pretty significant to really break down and break down your day and be like, Hey, like you should be grateful for everything that's happening. And if like one thing goes wrong, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That just means something in the system has to be fixed. Um, and that's on you as a leader, not, not on the, not on that person or, or any shortcomings from anyone. Well, um, 
I'm going to add one extra question here just because I know um, the collegiate strength coach, like it's a grind, right? It's long hours. Um, you're working with teams and you got to do your strength work around the team's practice schedules in season. Um, and it's not always the most convenient hours. How do you find balance in your life between balancing the, your dedication to your student athletes and your job, which I know you love, um, as well as your son, your, you know, your, your son and your wife and maintaining that balance between like your job and your, your, you know, your work-life balance. Yeah. Uh, right now it's a little bit more difficult with the COVID and the way we set up scheduling. Um, but in the past I've have it pretty nice where I'm at. Um, like I said, like, so like you said, I'm in the college sector, um, D three, the kids don't tend to stay here as much during the summer. So that's two months where I have pretty good amount of freedom. Uh, and then the winter break, same deal. It's about three to four weeks where there's a good, good, good range of freedom for my, for myself to make sure that I really harp on those, those family relationships. Um, but in the school year, you know, I probably start, uh, right around 6am is like the first lift. Uh, but I'll be back home probably around 6.20, 6.30. So I, I have a substantial amount of time in the rest of the night to, to kind of hang out and make sure that I'm, you know, being a dad um, and, a, and a husband. And then weekends obviously becomes a huge, a huge time um, where that we have to make sure that we have time for us uh, as a family unit and make sure that we're seeing our parents as well. Um, just to make sure we're staying on top of that. It's definitely something I probably struggle with a little bit um, on, on the end. Of, sometimes the family takes a hit and then sometimes the work takes probably a little bit of a hit and it's trying to find, like you said, that balance of making sure that you're not, not really screwing anything up on, on either end. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Um, do you have a favorite quote, whether it's a personal quote, inspirational quote, motivational quote, like just something that like is like, like your mantra or something that you always um, go back to? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, like, I, there's a ton of quotes out there, obviously. Uh, I think the one for me, um, it's one from coastal. Uh, and like, I, like I said, I've got, I've got a bunch that I, that I love to re reference, but the most dangerous phrase in the language, uh, is we've always done it this way. And I think that's a huge, there's a lot, a lot of stuff packed in there. Uh, and it's, you can't, you you have to be a lifelong learner. You can't consistently be like, Hey, like, this is why we like, you know, there's going to be a time in, in our careers where like, Hey, like this isn't, you know, you'll look back at what you used to write and you'll be like, okay, why did I write it like that? Like that was not good. Like, yeah. And, and that's okay. Leave that in the past. Right. But like, don't get stuck on it because you've done it. Like it's, and because people before you have done it, like it's okay to try new things. It's okay to try new systems and, you know, as long as you stay true to your philosophy, those things should fit in pretty well. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I like that. That's, uh, <clears throat> was that like a football, a football quote or was it, where was that was? So it's, it's by Grace Harper. Um, she's a, she was in, I believe, I want to say the English, uh, Navy, uh, not positive on where, where, but she was, she was military and it's, it's a, pretty cool quote coming from a female um, who's made it into ranks of, you know, yeah, definitely. men um, and breaking those boundaries. 
Cool. All right. So last question. Uh, well, two, what, two more questions. Um, three, your three keys to success. If you had to pick three keys to success um, in life in the weight room or, you know, the weight room symbolizes life too. So your three keys to success, what would they be? So the first one, be a lifelong learner. I think that's super important. Uh, if you're not continually learning, then you're not going to grow. Uh, the second one, I think, is take risks, which I think kind of runs in line with being a lifelong learner. Um, because you'll start to, you know, learn something and you'll be like, okay, well, this could be a risk or this could be, you know, a, a failure, I guess. Uh, and then the third one is just be, be grateful for, for everything that you have. Uh, I think it's very easy. And this kind of goes back, to, I'm kind of like in between like, you know, that the kids now and like the old generation, I feel like where it's very easy to get caught up in this Instagram life where like you see this instant gratification, you know, you see people on vacation, you see people doing this and like, you want that life like so fast. And it's like, it's okay to work for things. Like it's okay to put the time in. It's okay to like, you know, build. And I think that's super important. And it's hard to be grateful when you're always staring at stuff like that. And you kind of want to live, you know, a different life, whether it be a job, a family, whatever it may be, like everyone's on a different path. And, you know, be grateful that you have great friends, be grateful that you have great family, be grateful that you have a great job, be grateful that, you know, you have great support systems and, you know, you've had a great life to this point and be grateful that you hopefully have more time to create even better, better journey along the way. Cool. I like that. Those are awesome. Um, yeah, I asked, I, I, I've gotten in the habit of asking everybody the three keys to success. So it's interesting to see the commonalities and then the differences of perspective um, from person to person. All right, last question. Um, if you could step into my shoes, what is one question you would have asked yourself that I failed to ask you? I don't, I don't think you failed to ask. I think you you asked in, in different ways, but I think the, the question of like what inspires you and like yeah. just leave it at that. Like that's like, that's the question. It, it becomes what's that person's why? Uh, which I always think is like super important. And we kind of mentioned it earlier. I like briefed over it, but it's, it's, it's service, right. And it's service to others. Um, I went to a Catholic high school. I went to a Catholic college and, you know, for me, it was, I saw the service around me and what it took to get me to be where I am um, from all the other people. Like it took, like, uh, you know, stories of me when I was younger and it took a lot of people um, yourself included. And I didn't even really take any of your classes because it was above my, above my, uh, knowledge level. So it's like one of those things that like, it, it took a ton of people to get me to where I am. Never mind, you know, how can I help others now? How can I, how can I help somebody else, you know, feel one loved, which I felt, you know, hugely from high school on. And two, how do you, how do you push, you know, help somebody push past certain boundaries, whether it be physical, mental, or uh, spiritually. That's awesome. Um, wow, man, you've, you've come a long way. <laughs> See? From, <laughs> just uh, in, in all regards. Um, so, all right, Jack, um, where can people connect with you online? Um, if, you know, if they want to uh, follow you or reach out to you and ask questions, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So through Instagram, uh, I believe it's coach underscore Jack as in J A C K and then lowercase D, uh, as in Dustin and then Twitter, um, coach underscore J Dustin. 
or Jack Dustin. Um, and then LinkedIn under Jack Dustin. Uh, those are the three spots I probably frequent the most, um, sometimes too much. Uh, so you can definitely find me there. Uh, and anyone who has any questions, I'm, I'd love to connect obviously with like-minded people and people that want to, you know, for either pursue a career in strength and conditioning or just love the training aspect of it. I always love talking training. So cool. All right, Jack, thanks for your time. Um, that was a very awesome episode and lots of insight and knowledge. Um, and um, I'm sure the readers are going to, the readers, the listeners are going to enjoy that. And I'll make sure to share any uh, snippets with you that I get. So um, I'm going to sign off here. And that was Jack Dustin, Endicott College Head Strength and Conditioning Coach. It was great catching up with him and hearing what he's up to, as well as the tremendous insight he has on the field of strength and conditioning, uh, college athletics and sports performance, as well as just life in general. So uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Norris Sports Performance Podcast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button as well as checking out the show notes for more information on our guests. You can find us on Instagram at Nourish Sports Performance. Until next time, I'm your host, Judah Boulay, reminding you to train smart and recover smarter.